Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Remotely Serious. I am here with Michelle Coulson, CEO and founder of Remote Rebellion. You are uh, you're joining me after I mean we I, I don't know if we actually ever sat down one on one, but we were like in the same general vicinity in on a lovely sunny couple of days in Lisbon earlier this year, which is when I kind of learned a little bit more about what you were doing through osmosis. But I'm 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 gonna we're gonna dig in for for half an hour or forty five minutes or whatever it is, and I'll learn a little bit more about uh, what you've been doing in the the general sphere of remote work over the last few years. Welcome, 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 Michelle. Awesome. Thank you, Curtis. Yeah, I, I, I think there was it was such an overwhelm. It was my first um, first remote work conference and I was so overwhelmed by the amount of people that I met. I remember at the end of the day just sitting in a dark room being like, this is so amazing, but I'm I'm so overstimulated with the amount of networking I did at that, uh, at that event that we met at. It was great, right? Yeah, it was great. Have you, is Lisbon somewhere that you had been before the conference or was it new to you when you went there? Yeah, I've been a couple of times before and I, and I loved it. Um, any excuse to go back there, right? Yeah, it's always good. I'm, I'm looking for, I think I'm going to go in the spring. I'm in Canada, back in my my hometown, not nomading right now uh, in, in Canada, but hoping to go back to, to Lisbon in the spring. Um, what, yeah, so same maybe I'll just, I'll just jump off with like a quick origin story. Um, it's, I was reading a bit of your bio and it sounds like, you know, you started going remote relatively recently in the sense that it wasn't years before the pandemic. It sounds like there's a bit of an origin story actually more in 2020 and 2021. D- did I get that right in my, my light research that I did before we started talking? <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's right. It, it kind of, it, it could go back to age 11 if you really go back that far, not digital nomadism, <laughs> but there's, there's definitely a really long version. And the, the short version is definitely from 2020 is um, I would say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, um, I'll try and I, I find that trying to guess what people's story is, or just kind of infer, especially in this world of remote workers, I can often get it wrong. And I, I'll even do this in like um, sort of semi-professional situations with teammates where someone will come on, and, uh, you know, they might be like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, no, I'm jumping on. Uh, great. Uh, I just had to make a cup of tea. And then I'll be like, oh, um, am I ahead of you five hours because you're in England? And they'll be like, oh, no, I- I'm in I'm in Hungary or like I'm in Bali. And it's like you, I can't do that thing of like maybe just inferring a little bit. And, you know, you should never infer too much and be like, I, I see what you look like and how you sound. And then I guess where you are. That's probably a bad thing to do anyway. Uh, but especially now, I don't even I hear people with like an American Midwestern accent. And uh, they're down in Southeast Asia, and it's just like uh, it's different than ten years ago, where there was kind of that small talk, and you could kind of say, "Oh, you know, you sound like you're from Texas or something," but and they are, you know, it's it's all over the place now. It is, and I like that because you're quite often wrong. You just make these assumptions. Um, by the way, I liked your English accent; it was pretty good. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. I, I, used, I used it's to a, cringe, but that that was that was spot on. <laughs> the only the only other time I've done an accent on the podcast is I did. A Canadian accent, which is actually, which is it, like, I did a fake Canadian accent. So this is, this is the second instance of that. So we'll, we'll have a clip show at some point once we, uh, <laughs> once we get a bunch of them. So uh, is remote rebellion relatively new in your journey or is it something you started in tandem with your going remote recently and, and sort of taking on a, a remote life? Good question. I'll rewind a little bit to story time here. Rewind a little bit to 2016, 2017. I was, I was working yeah. in, in recruitment at a digital app company and I loved it. Really liked my job, liked my boss, liked the people I worked with. And I realized a lot of the developers I was recruiting for were like, we want remote work. And that was back in 2016, 2017. And I kept saying to my boss at the time, we need to introduce a remote work policy. And he's like, nope, not going to happen. Like computer says no kind of reasons, didn't really have any like decent kind of reasons to give. So I nagged and nagged and nagged and pushed. And and eventually like I, I became like the, the pain in his ass and managed to talk him around. And we got up to four days a week remote four days a week remote so it was a massive win back in 2017 when not many people had that level of freedom so I bought a motorhome and I toured around the UK I still had to keep coming back to the office on Fridays and that's when 2020 happened and everyone knows what happened then everyone was working from home and I realized how miserable I was I was living in London I was looking at a building site and I was like, what am I doing here? I don't even want to be here. Why am I here? And I was at a really like existential crisis of all my friends were kind of 
mid-30s, buying houses, having kids, moving out of the city, going into the suburbs. And I didn't want any of that. But I didn't know what I did want. All I knew was I was trying to think about to when I was happiest. And when I was happiest, I was by the sea. So mm-hmm. I moved down to the south coast of the UK. Then the winter came. And I did not like the winter. So my friend said, right, hey, if your office is closed, why don't you go to, why don't you come and join me in Bali for a couple of months until the office opens up again? I was like, okay, that's, that sounds like a good idea. So I did. And then my boss called two months later, was like, the office is opening. This was around June, June 2021. And I was like holding on for dear life to be like, why can't I stay? I've been working remotely for the past year. I've been working really well. I, you know, it's worked out. There's been the Wi-Fi has had no issues and, and so on. And it was a typical no, just because we say so, essentially. So that's when I quit. Yeah. And I started looking for a remote job. And I couldn't find one. I had never had an issue getting a job before. I was a recruiter for seven years. I knew I had massive networks. I knew how to do a CV. I knew how to apply. I knew all the games. And I still couldn't get a remote job. And I was like, oh, maybe this is not going to happen. Maybe I'm asking for too much. Looking for a remote job that pays well. That means I get to stay in Bali. Like maybe I'm just being really like spoiled. I did get one. After a few months of trying, I got two freelance gigs and I was helping remote first companies to hire. And I, in between the time when I wasn't working, I was helping people with their CVs. I was helping, showing them where remote first companies were, introducing them. I was kind of doing all of the, these things that I didn't attribute to anything. I just was helping people doing things that I knew what I, I had expertise in. And on this lovely boat tripping around the Komodo Islands, someone said to me, so what is it you do? I was like, oh, well, I, I do this, but this is what I want to do. And they're like, so that sounds like you can help people get a remote job. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. They're like, well, do that then. I'm like, huh, okay. <laughs> so that's when Remote Rebellion was born. And now I help people who are also struggling to get a remote job. You help helping people that are struggling to get a remote job. And I'm sure that there will be millions and millions more every year. Um, it is kind of an interesting time. We've I've mentioned this refrain again and again on various episodes that we've had, but there's kind of been this arc of of the hotness of of coming out of the pandemic 2021, early 2022. So many tech jobs, so much growth, so much, so many digital nomads posting on Instagram about the beach. And then 2023 and going into 2024. It's a little different. There's recessions. There might be more and more layoffs. There's two wars. People are probably looking at the world slightly differently than a couple of years ago. But the way I see it, it's still going to grow and grow. There's kind of a there's a little twisted, nonlinear turns that everything's taking. But in 2030, you know, we're going to have a billion people probably that are not necessarily going to an office the same way that they were. And we're biased here on this podcast, but um, <laughs> it, it, I think you're in a, in a great line of, uh, of of entrepreneurship to help all these people. So one thing I think on, on a lot of these podcasts, I, I think a lot of remote work advocates get together and we get on a podcast and we'll talk about how what employers can do to better help or attract remote employees and how they're not getting it and they should be more async and they ha- should have more systems. But I kind of wanted to flip it and ask you, a slightly different take on it, which is like, what are the stupidest things that remote job seekers do to sabotage themselves? Because we all know the employers, they're dinosaurs, they need to come around. We've heard that before. And we might we can get to that. But I want to hear about like, what are the stupid things people are doing that you can come along and with your wonderful consulting, you can kind of turn it around. And of course, you don't have to name names. But I'm really curious, like, how do people sabotage themselves in their search for a remote job? Do you know, this is going to be a, bit, a little bit like philosophical, if you like, but the, the way people sabotage themselves in their remote job search is the way a lot of people sabotage themselves in life. They talk themselves out of things and talk. And instead of looking at something from one pair of eyes of like, how could I do this? Or how can I show someone that I can do it? They look at a job spec, they look at a job ad and they're like, oh, I don't have that. And I'm no good at this. Or they make assumptions that maybe they need this. And they talk themselves out of it and they don't end up applying for something that they have the capability to do. I was on a call literally this morning with, a, with a, one of my rebels. I don't like saying clients. It sounds a bit there. So they're my rebels. Um, and she was looking at a job. We were looking at it together and she was literally seeing things that weren't there. She's like, yeah, they're going to need like five years of experience. I'm like, where does it say that? They don't say that they need five years of experience. So we, and I always say, if we talk to ourselves the same way, 
if we talked to our friends the same way we talked to ourselves, we'd have no friends left because uh, we, we're so bad at talking down about ourselves. And I'm not good at this. I don't have that. This is all the things I don't have rather than focusing on what you do have and what you can add to the table. Do you think maybe that they've been influenced by some of the marketing and propaganda from social media that seems to conflate together digital nomadism or remote work with entrepreneurship? Like go be a remote uh, go remote, go to a find a destination, be a digital nomad and be a YouTuber and be a drop shipper and be a tech SaaS entrepreneur. And that the connection isn't quite made between, oh, no, no, no. Like probably, probably the best fit, easiest path here is just, just get a job that's remote. You don't have to change the world in order to go and find a remote location and start, you know, a, a journey down the remote path. I think does that does that come into it? Yeah, to a certain degree. I don't think I attract as many of those kinds of people. And I think the reason I, I'm promoting remote work as opposed to digital nomadism. Um, and the reason for that is a lot of people who are like, I want to be a nomad. They're, they're in a bit different mindset to those that are just looking for a remote job because they want more freedom or they want to spend more time with their kids or they want to, you know, just sit at home with their dog all day. So the people yeah. I, I, I'm targeting that's not to say that i'm not working with people who want to be digital nomads but the people i'm working with have had like a certain level of pain where they've not seen their first kid grow up because they've been working commuting two hours each way and they just they're sick of it and they want something else so the whole digital nomadism i'm not focused on that i'm focused on people who have disabilities and can't leave their house and can't get a job because people these dinosaur companies feel like they need to be in an office even though they're not able to go in so i guess i don't get as many of those kinds of people that you're talking about and i'm also mm -hmm. filtering out people who are looking for this this utopia uh, that doesn't exist like being a digital nomad is hard and people have generally worked hard to get there they haven't just drop ship for a, a few days and got really rich quick they've generally put in the time they put in the energy and they've done their hours in some bs corporate job in an office that they they hated yeah, it reminds me of the first time I spoke to kind of the Irish delegation, I guess, two running remotes ago when I met them. And I was kind of coming. So it was 2022, maybe my first conference or social event since before COVID. And I kind of had the idea that the people here would be promoting remote work in the digital nomad sense. And I spoke with them and 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 I was like, oh, are you trying to attract a bunch of Europeans from the EU to choose Ireland as a place to be a nomad. And they're like, no, 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 no. We, we're helping people in Ireland work 45 minutes away from the office because they don't have to drive to the office or, or not have to move to Dublin because they can just live in the town or the city where they grew up and where all their family is. And, and I, you know, that was the first time I kind of really opened my eyes to, of course, like, of course, that's what's going to happen. That's what's happening all across the United States across Ireland, across all countries, there's probably this much less vocal uh, group of people who are simply living their best life by living 45 minutes away or two hours away from where they used to have to, just wherever they want to with their dog, like you say, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's not quite as sexy on Instagram as some, some middle-aged person in their pants with their dog in their, in, their, in their spare bedroom compared to someone like sipping coconuts on a beach in Bali, yeah. right? So that's why you don't hear about it as much. <laughs> Where uh, in the world do you find yourself or have you found yourself in the last couple of years? Are there um, bases or semi-permanent bases uh, that you call home? Bali was my base for two years and then I left in March and I've been searching for a base in Europe for the past few months. And I've been to some wonderful places. Ireland actually is one place that I absolutely adored. I cycled through there for two weeks to go to a, a digital nomad conference there. And I, I loved it, especially Kerry. I really fell in love with it. But it just doesn't have the weather 12 months of the year, yeah. not even five yeah. months of the year. So I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I'm still looking. I'm in Gran Canaria at the moment. I'm heading to, where am I going to? Um, to Portugal at the end of the month and then to Thailand. So I'm hoping I find a base because I'm, I think I've realized I don't want to be traveling around all the time. Like maybe what, like two places, having six months in one place, six months in another, that would be my style, but haven't yet found out where that is yet. What is the, um, how do you manage remote rebellion? Is it, network of freelancers do you have any co-founders business partners i assume remote rebellion is itself a fully remote organization uh, but sometimes that's not true so i'm so i like to check in and, and <laughs> how have you found the um the remote life from that angle growing a remote 
I'll say consultancy, but you can pitch it however you want. Ser- service business, uh, wonderful, you know, wonderful tool for anyone to start the remote <laughs> life. What is that like in running it as a as a remote friendly person? I think I'd be a massive hypocrite if if I had to go into an office at any point. So yeah. it's myself as myself. Um, I, I created it from from the, from the get go. So I was doing one to one coaching to start with. So it was like just me, myself, and I. And then I actually had an amazing client who turned into VA, turned into ops manager, and she was like my my right hand person for a while, which was great. I've now got a team of four people and they're two based in Asia. No, sorry, two based in Europe, one's in Asia and one is in South America. So we've got people all around the world. And I, I honestly don't have any issue when it comes to, oh, how do you do that remotely with a time zone or like this or that? It's never been an issue because we've been remote from day one. We're using the right tools. We're using Slack. We're using Notion. And we have one meeting a week because we don't need anything more than that because we're working mostly asynchronous. And then all together, we'll have a, a meeting a month where we talk about our personal lives and have a chat. And again, that's not uh, mandatory. That's it's If people want to join, they can join. And 90, 90% of the time, everyone does join because they want to get to know everyone. It's not one of those fake. I remember doing this at previous companies during lockdown where it was at least Zoom calls or these like fake, um, not fake, but they, they would get together, team get togethers. And it, and it was just, it was so cringe because you felt like you had to be there and no one really wanted to be there on another Zoom meeting when we were just getting used to uh, doing everything on a screen for the first time. So yeah, I love my team. I have never it's never been an issue the fact that they're not on the same time zone or they're not in the same room. Yeah. Do you do you consume much remote work related content? Do you listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos? Or is that I I'm always curious when people are selling a service, you know, building a service, building an audience. Yeah, obviously you're probably looking for clients in the future. You have to make content, but I'm just curious like is it something where like you you like to read and watch content about it and it's something I I struggle with like do I how much do I want to read and read about this versus live it versus make it like this podcast. Um so I always I'm always curious about people's content diet so to speak. Really interesting question. It's not one I've been asked before, but I actually don't consume much remote content in that sense. Instead, I attend several conferences, whether they're in the remote workspace or the digital nomad space. So I get my information that way because I spend a lot of time on my screen. I like to have the interactions um, in person as well. So a lot of the content I consume on podcasts and and, and online is generally business related um, rather than necessarily remote specific. What did you think of running remote in the spring? Yeah, well, it was my first conference. It was my first um, remote work conference. So I was super overwhelmed. It was more corporate than I imagined, actually. But the people that I met, like, it was almost like this whole family that I'd built up for over the last year and a half. And it was just, I don't know if you you noticed, there was just a load of groups of screaming girls being like, ah, like going up because they'd seen people that they'd been connected to and chatting to for months or even years. And then they finally got together in one place and met in person. So that alone, like I actually didn't attend that many of the talks. It was the people and the outside of the talks that was the, the biggest thing for me. Yeah. The similar experience where I do, uh, I know that the organizers of the conference their target audience and probably the bread and butter of, you know, uh, achieving, you know, business goals of putting on the conference and making it worthwhile involves bringing decision makers from remote companies to speak and then listen to speakers. And then ideally at some point, you know, there's sponsorships and, and the, the organizers have their own SaaS company that can sell to remote companies. So there's that whole talk circuit and then same thing, it feels like there's a bunch of remote workers and, and digital nomads who are kind of meeting and using it as a, just as kind of like an, an excuse or not even an excuse, but as a, a hub for networking and, and kind of meeting up. And, and it's kind of like, Definitely. I don't want to say there's two separate groups, but there is kind of two separate vibes going on. And almost this year, it was like there was the main stage and then the other stage. And you could see like the, the kind of people that go to the main stage and the other stage, it kind of split a little down those lines. And then who's just hanging out in the hallways yeah. and that kind of thing. I'm, I'm always looking for ideas on uh, ideas for if there's a gap in the market for a remote worker and or digital nomad centric event. Um, it seems like sometimes there's a lot of them, but also not very many. Like it seems like 
you hear about the you hear about destinations putting them on and oh wow there seems like there's a digital nomad event every couple of weeks but then if you really look at it ones that like have more than 25 people and are well known and are on the circuit there's not that many so i'm always i'm always looking at that no I mean, you've got you've got Bansko, you've got Nomad City Fest in Gran Canaria. Yeah. Um, the one I went to in Ireland uh, just recently, Nomad Air, was the first one in Ireland, Nomad, uh, and it was amazing. Yeah. And I really think uh, Danny, the person who put that on, she did a really good job of like combining the corporate island of, of people trying to get people to come to Ireland and the digital nomad scene. Yeah. And the, 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 I think I feel like it was combined really well. Yeah, I, I wish I could go. I want to go to that one next year. And uh yeah, it seems like they they cluster around the the northern hemisphere summertime, and maybe you know there are lots of great ones like Nomad Air. It might just be that from September to March in kind of the northern hemisphere winter, it suddenly goes quiet, and there's other hemispheres out there mm. maybe where we where there could be you know December <laughs> and January and February events. Um, so w- what does it look like to um, for someone to I- engage with you? Are you are you you're chatting with them over over a call, but how long does it? Maybe a different way to to look at it. How the average time? You know, someone starts with you and then they're off successful at a job. Is that two weeks, two months, six months? How how long do these engagements take to to work? And then I guess ideally have them grow up and blow away to their new job. What's the what's the timeline like for an engagement? How long does it take? anyone to get a six pack I don't know how much effort they're going to put in I don't know if they're going to apply to one job a week or to 20 jobs a week I don't know if they're going to interview really Mm -hmm. well or not interview well I don't know if there's like they're actually going out networking with people are they doing the the things that I'm helping them to I'm teaching them to do or are they doing nothing So it's really hard to say when people ask me this, like, how long does it take? I'm like, it depends. And it's not a sexy answer. I can't say you can get a remote job in two weeks because it it really does depend. And people have got a remote job in two weeks because they've followed the program. They've followed the steps. They've done done diligently the work that's been put in front of them. They've joined the calls every week. They've got the feedback and they've sprinkled a bit of luck as well. So it it really does depend. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like some of the things that you're coaching and mentoring and educating people on are the same things that might be helpful even if it wasn't a remote job if it was just an in-person job there'd still be you know get your numbers up apply do well in an interview you know research the company there's all kinds of things that would be the same whether it was in person or remote so what are some of the nuances of it being a remote job like are you coaching them on how to negotiate compensation or how to are you are you recommending that people go for jobs that are advertised as like global remote or are you know are there instances where people will find a job they like and then you're coaching them to kind of negotiate like i want to make this a remote job even though it's not advertised that way or is that kind of too much of an uphill battle too much of an uphill battle and i use the analogy of dating if you go in and you're looking for a long-term relationship you're looking for marriage and kids and you go on the first few dates and they're like i just want something casual you're like i'm gonna convince them they're gonna marry me and have my children it's you may as well put your efforts with someone else because it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle. So it's the same kind of way. So people come to me in in kind of two camps, one where they've been searching, applying, getting ghosted, getting rejection emails, and they're just like at the end of their tether where they don't know what else to do. That's, that's, that's one. Another, the other would say, I would say, and these are two extremes, of course, are people that like, I want to get a remote job, but I don't know where to start. That might be that they've never worked remotely before. They, I had one guy who was a kitchen fitter. And he'd never worked remotely before. He didn't know what to do, didn't know what he could do. So we help, I, I help people figure out that out of like, okay, what are your strengths? What do you want to do? We do, we do the whole icky guy. We really work on how they can transfer the skills that they already have to other industries, other opportunities. And then we work out and create a strategy how to get there. And the reason why it's so different is the, the number of opportunities for remote jobs are, well, there's only, I think there's a study this. 13% of jobs on LinkedIn are remote. And of those 13%, there's over 55% that are applying to those 13%. So the numbers are stacked against them in terms of there's so much competition. So you really have to do a lot more than you would do as an on-site role, not just to actually apply, but to really weed out the fake remote roles. And I, I, I really 
one thing that really frustrates me is when companies advertise something as remote and they say oh but you need to come to the office once a week or once a month that's not that's not remote it's hybrid so we're, we're working on navigating that working on what it means to work remotely if they want to work from anywhere do they need a visa to work in certain countries the tax restrictions and I don't cover tax and legal in detail but I cover the basics of what they need to understand before going into a decision because work from anywhere is even more competitive than remote so they really need to want this because it's going to be a harder job for them to get I'm not sure you know exactly what uh, let's say nationalities or geographies make up most of your clients but do you feel I wonder if there's this harsh reality that might be coming where for for a certain amount of time working remote worked in let's say the G7 countries favor or sort of the west whatever you want to call it oh great i can go ro- work remote and then i might have a different cost of living but there's also you know there's billions of people in the world that are very talented and might not have had access to certain job markets and now they do so you you mentioned you know work from anywhere is is competitive maybe the most competitive do you see that dynamic playing out where like i don't know 5 years ago it's like I went for a remote job and then I got it. But nowadays it's like, oh, wow, there's 1,500 applicants for one work from anywhere around the world job because all the talented people in the Philippines or India or Romania can also apply from it, not just Brits or not just Canadians and Americans for for a particular position. Which I think is great. And I've people in other parts of the world that are not the G7 or not the, not Europe, not not uh, North America, those people get, get so much of this, this bias and so, so the prejudice, quite frankly, are being rejected just because of where they are. And there's a BS reason of it being because they don't have an entity there or whatever. It's, it's full on prejudice. So the fact that there's more competition now from these people in these countries, I'm, I'm okay with, um, and I've, and I've helped people that have been in Africa, that have been in, in South America or parts of South Asia and Southeast Asia that have been able to get a remote job and get themselves out of the situation that they were in and give themselves a better life. Do you ever work with someone after they've achieved a job to be successful in the first year or to maintain a job that's remote? Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. I mean, it, 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 it's prob- well, I was just wondering, <laughs> it's probably much less a demand. It's kind of like they, they've gotten it. They, they, uh, they, they caught the car if they got the remote job. But I'm just wondering if people, um, they're on the, on the corporate side, like, especially if we think of those, all those talks at running remote on the enterprise side, they're all about like remote teams coming together, empowering remote employees. And the leaders seem to be very interested in like making remote work work. Um, so I'm just, you know, I, I wonder if there's some kind of, I don't know, service or just, I wonder if there's just some, some kind of opportunity for, you know, coaching people that are in their first year, <laughs> don't screw it up. But, you know, maybe that's just a harebrained, <laughs> you know, middle of the night uh, business idea that that isn't nearly as lucrative or as, um, useful as helping people get the job in the first place <laughs> it's it's interesting i think the majority of people that i work with have worked remotely in some comp- some capacity or yeah. other even if that was just in, during the pandemic so I, I don't see a big gap in the market for that but you never know yeah okay i'll move on from that i'll put it on the the the, the back burner in, in terms of my, my business <laughs> ideas um you mentioned ikigai earlier would you say that what you're doing now is dead on target for Ikigai for you, or do you have a few tweaks to get there in your life journey to be in the bullseye of uh, the Ikigai Venn diagram? I'd say I'm 95% there. The 5% I'm missing is the contributions I'm making to some organizations that I want to make to. And it's just been the the logistical thing that I haven't set up yet. There's a couple of really cool organizations, one called, I always pronounce it wrong, but it's Namal, and they help refugees get remote work. So I intend to give 10% of my profit to that organization once I've got my new website, once I've got that set up. So I think once I get that, I'm going to be at my 100%. But at the minute, I'm so fortunate and I'm constantly like it was my birthday at the weekend and I was thinking back to you know this time last year like as you do on your birthday what was I doing this time five years ago what was I doing then and I just thought I'm so fortunate that I'm doing what I love I'm doing what I'm good at and I got all of this freedom and I'm helping people yeah I, I, I couldn't ask for anything more really 
So if someone is hearing this and maybe they've been listening for this episode for 25 minutes and let's say they're not remote yet and they're starting to get interested, maybe this this is it finally. The, they've, they've heard so much about it and this episode is now the straw that's not breaking the camel's back but getting the camel to start running towards something. Who's hiring? Where are most of these remote jobs? Is it U.S. tech companies? Is it small startups? Where's the the where's the good fishing? <laughs> the thing with looking for a remote job is not to focus your efforts on just one area. It's just like in investment, diversifying. So you need to have your fishing rod out, your net, whatever you want to call it, in lots of different ponds, lots of different seas. So that the the big multinationals seem to be slowly, gradually getting people back into the office, even on a hybrid, hybrid basis. However, the newer startups and the sm small to medium organizations, they're still growing. They're still appearing on the market all of the time. And they're the ones that are hiring people and, and truly understand fully remote. So if I were looking for something and I wanted to see what was out there, I would focus on the smaller rather than big scale organizations. Other than the ones like Atlassian, which really promote their brand on, on being work from anywhere. So unless they're really, the brand is really banging on about the fact that they have work from anywhere or they're remote, I can't think of a better phrase, yeah. um, I would avoid them because I fear it's happening bit by bit that even Zoom, you know, Zoom would taking people back yeah. to the office, so which is absolutely ridiculous, so off-brand. <laughs> yeah, I find that there's a, there's a refrain which is used in 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 the the conference circuit and kind of in the 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 good kind of remote work propaganda the kind that I like which promotes remote work which I agree with but I do think that there's a refrain that people people will say something like this which is look at all the remote companies that are uh, look at all the companies that are going remote like Doist like GitLab like Atlassian and then 6 months later like, like all the companies that are going remote Doist GitLab Atlassian it's like okay this becomes less effective when you still mention the exact same three companies out of the billion <laughs> companies in the world every six months and every year. Yeah. So my my marketing pitch to some of those um, people writing the marketing copy and is like, I think anyone that's heard about like heard a remote work pitch more than twice has heard that. And it's almost like, yeah, OK, but who, who are the next 20? So I know I know like we, can, we yeah. can't name them all on this podcast, but I'm 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 tr I'm always trying to research a little bit beyond like, yeah, we get it. Those three companies have made that their brand <laughs> and there's more. And I like those companies. Yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to single them out for that reason. But I think uh, it's, it's you know, there, there should be a, a hundred of those that people can name. And I'm not sure that I can name yeah. a hundred of them, but probably in a few years we might have, you know, a bit more variety. I yeah. think so. Well, I've, I've got a list of a thousand remote first companies yeah. and of, of those, there's about 350 are work from anywhere. Yeah. So that list is being updated. I'm, I'm adding to those and I'm taking some off as well that are like are sneakily going back into the office, but they exist. And they're the, just the ones that I know about. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other ones that the key really to be finding those organizations and finding those jobs is to step off LinkedIn for a little bit and go networking, go speaking to people, not necessarily remote first conferences or events, but events that are in your space. If you're really interested in AI, if you're really interested in, in e-commerce, whatever that looks like, go get yourself out there, be visible and speak to people and network. And you'll find out all of these organizations you didn't even know existed that maybe had that one job that you were interested in. Do you, uh, do you find yourself uh, almost philosophically getting involved in debates about remote work for instance if someone if you encounter someone or someone's on linkedin or in real life saying hey I, you know i think remote work it it just doesn't work all the time we can't replace that feeling of going to the water cooler and we just don't know if people are being productive will you uh will you take that bait and uh so, and promote or are you kind of hey you know to each their own uh just in terms of uh participating in kind of the the more contentious philosophical debates that come up about remote work depends my mood <laughs> if, I'm in an, yeah. if, I'm in, if i'm in an argumentative <laughs> yeah. mood i'll bite sometimes yeah. if i'm in a good mood i'll bite okay that's what you think um it's quite funny i just got a message today from some my um the founder of the company i i quit to start remote rebellion we ended up becoming friends and, and having a few meetings it was all very like serendipitous anyway 
he doesn't believe in remote work and he's like hey we're, we're doing this uh, investment when we need to hire people we're gonna we're gonna get you on board and you're gonna help us hire these uh, these people but it's not gonna be remote I was like well I'm not gonna help you then and he's like you will I'm like I won't like it's not just off brand it is totally against yeah. what I believe in and I don't think people really understand <laughs> this yeah yeah, it's not, Nike's not going to make fast food or whatever. Um, what 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 is that brand of headphones that you're wearing, by the way? They're good, right? They're Bose 500, I think. Bose, yeah. Bose, Bose, Bose. I won't put in an Amazon affiliate link in the show notes. <laughs> I'll just let people look up that look that up for themselves. And if you're if you're just listening, it's a very very nice pair of wraparound off eggshell off white headphones. Mine are look a little bit cheaper by comparison. Well, mine are closer, a little um, bit scratched up. So yeah. <laughs> So do you ha- do you have um you say you're looking at bases in Europe I'm curious whether it's in the past years or looking forward how do you decide where to go next now I know we've heard like maybe you know the north of Scotland or Oslo Norway might not be the best place because if the weather's too cold but within your target zone of maybe the the weather's the right type of weather for you what do you do to decide where to go next, even if it's for a long time, you know, to, to, to live or to set up a long-term base. Is there certain resources you use or just go on Reddit, talk to your friends? How do you decide where to go? I don't use Reddit, but I do use Nomad List, which I quite like for sussing out um, how livable a place is, if it's, you know, got decent Wi-Fi, what the price of li- like cost of living is, etc. I lived in London for a while, so most places are going to have a cheaper cost of living than London. So I don't generally go somewhere because it's super cheap. I'm like, I was living in London, it's got to be cheaper than that, unless I'm going to like, you know, Tokyo or Sydney or something, or San Fran. Um, for me, for somewhere long term, it needs to have the ocean, ideally surf. So I need to be close to the sea. I've realized that was what makes me happy. And ideally it's going to be above 15 degrees, if not 20, most of the year round. That's that's kind of my must, my must-haves for my, yeah, for my next requirement. But I'd still visit places in between that don't necessarily tick those boxes. So I'll go to a city for a little bit, but it wouldn't be, I, I don't think I could be anywhere longer than three months that didn't, that wasn't close to the ocean, that wasn't close to a sea I could go in and either surf or dive or snorkel in. Do you like to work close to the ocean or is it work from home work from a co-working space do you have a a setup that you found works for you yeah I like to mix it up I I like a bit of variety so it depends what I'm doing as well so I'll either work from home or I've got a pretty decent setup in Bali with my adjustable desk and little dog that's kind of adopted me um that lives in the villa um sometimes I go to the beach sometimes I go to a co-working space it really depends on my mood what I'm doing the day if I've got many calls yeah, it's, I mean, another important thing for me of choosing where to live as well, and it's super cheesy, I'm sure everyone says this, but community, community is super important. I need to be able to be part of something, and I ideally like a bit, a mixture of a local, expat, and nomad community. It's not just nomads, not just locals, and not just expats. It's like a nice combination of the three, which is quite hard to find sometimes. Yeah, I think uh, there's been a lot of debates. I there's There's these debates that I almost feel like are semantic debates about words, but they seem to be very important to people in terms of classifying people as expats versus remote workers. Even we were talking about like digital nomads is something you might shy away from as a term, you know, in order to focus on remote work. And I agree, you know, there are differences, but uh, when you, when you say the word expat, does that, do you, do you mean that as something that's different than a remote worker or is that one and the same to you? Like remote worker expat? No, I actually, the different, they're different altogether. I would I would say there's a difference between remote worker and digital nomads. Um, and digital nomad is a type of remote worker. And I would mm-hmm. say an expat is a so a remote worker could be a type of expat. Yeah. If you see what I mean, so you can be an expat yeah. and own a bar. You can be expat, you have to go to the office. Yeah. yeah you, you're 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 wanted at Samsung's head office yeah. every day, and you're not remote working. Exactly. You're just living in a different country. Do you see anything um, changing uh, in the next few years? Like some of the offices are bringing everybody back. I'm just curious what you're, what do you think the, um, for instance, people will say, you know, there's certain places like Bali that just, they're not the same as they were. They might be peaking. They might be, the cost of living might be changing. I think they're all, you know, people will always find different places, but I'm just curious, like when you look at 2024, are the same things exciting you about the next year? versus five years ago the same horizons or do you are you getting excited about different things oh i don't 
in terms of like the remote workspace or just the like the business opportunities or I think the the community I guess do you see that does the community feel the same as it did five years ago or does it feel like oh there's a kind of a different crowd now or there's more people <laughs> you know it's not it's not so much of a secret subculture mm-hmm. and now there's more uh, there's hordes of people that are the normies are coming you know I'm just, <laughs> I, I hear some of this just on online where it's it, it's a little I, a little bit of hipsterism maybe a little bit of like preciousness but just some people saying like oh it's not what it used to be it, whether it's cost of living communities that kind of thing I don't feel this way so maybe I'm just like leading a question that neither of us believe in this and I'm just creating a a straw person but uh I guess it's really I've, I've just say. heard things like that it's hard yeah. to say because I've only got my experience and because I've not been in the same place in the same with the same people that, you know, or seeing different people come in and out. I can't I can only speak to that experience. And for me personally, I felt that my community of other remote workers, other digital nomads, digital nomad families, I it's been really enriching because yes, you do get those people, those digital nomad snowflakes that have never worked a day in an office and, and and do this kind of life. And some of them take it for granted a little bit and maybe take, take, take rather than giving back to the community. But you, you're always going to get those kind of people. You're always going to get the bad and the good. And I can't remember who it was that wrote this article, but there was something that wrote, do you believe with this statement? And it's like, kids these days don't respect their parents. Like, when do you think this was written? And it was something like written in the in in the thousands of years ago in the in in, yeah. in the Greek philosophy. ancient yeah. ancient Mesopotamia yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just like <laughs> someone in 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 Babylon was exactly. saying that the people of 3200 BC just aren't the same as the ones is 3240 exactly. BC. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> um, and it's not the same because we're not the same. The place is not like things evolve, things do change. And yeah, I left Bali because it wasn't the same as it was, but that that, yeah. that happens. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I I was talking to someone on an episode that's still yet to come out the other day, and they were um, really excited about South America and Africa, and so and just saying like there's going to be so much more South America and Africa interest, entrepreneurship, remote work, digital nomads, um, Africa. You know, in many ways has been uh, lagging behind by economic indicators for a whole bunch of historical reasons for you know hundreds of years. And I, you know, I, I follow a little bit of on Twitter. I can't say I'm an expert at all in any of the sort of African hotspot locations or African entrepreneurship. But I do, I do feel like in the air, I'm seeing more action out of there in in this little corner of the world of remote work and entrepreneurship and digital nomads. So that'll be interesting to look at. I've, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I, I think I've never been to Africa, but I was just like, was I in an airport? Was I on the way, you know, way somewhere? But I don't think I've ever been there. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, me too. Do you think that you'll go to more conferences in 2024? Like, is it how high on the list is that for you in terms of a must do to another running remote or other conferences? The you know the the um, Nomad Air conference, E I R E for anyone that's listening. Yeah, I can never pronounce it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Really important. I went to the first running remote with a a, a sort of really tunnel visioned, naive vision in mind of like, I'm going to go there, I'm going to find new, wonderful remote rebel clients rather than actually I'm just going to meet and go and meet new people. And after that, it really made me reflect of like, I'm going into this with the wrong mindset. And the next conference I went to, I really went in and just, I felt like I built the tribe around me and the people that I was meeting, I was really getting a lot out of because I was going in just with my ears open rather than like looking for something. And since then, I've had so much more enriching experiences and met some amazing people. And yeah, I'm going to continue to do more. I want to go to at least three or four conferences a year. I think that's pretty normal where conferences and trade shows are set up to be pitched a little bit. Like if you've got something to sell, or, or an audience to build or customer list to build, this would be the great place to do it. There's going to be an amazing sponsorship floor. There's going to be the such and such room where everybody mm-hmm. can network and people go in maybe like, and I'm going to sell or, you know, grow my revenue or, you know, do anything on that nature. And then by like day two or day three, you're like, I'm so glad I met all these people. You know, the, this is the real, the, the real, uh, the real revenue was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. I think it's very, very normal. And I think like, Everybody should just lean into that approach and the ROI might not be, you know, within 24 hours, but I think it's a lifetime ROI that's way higher than any, you know, 
transactional hard sell that you might do at a typical trade show for, you know, all the cleaning companies selling cleaning equipment to the, the carpet cleaning companies. <laughs> like, yeah, there, there's, there's a place for that, yeah. but maybe, maybe running remote or, or remote conferences aren't exactly like that. But uh, yeah, I, I had sim not exactly that, ex that experience, but I've had conferences like that in, in the past where I come in thinking one thing and I, and I leave yeah. thinking another thing in a positive way. And it's more ideas um, as well. It's not just the people that like the pinged like light bulb moments you get from speaking to people about, I hadn't thought about that and they didn't they might not have thought that they said anything worth you know noting down and you're getting all yeah. of these like these pockets of information it really helps yeah one thing I noticed that like a new a new player had entered the chat a new a new player had entered the game was I, I had been to the running remote before this year in Montreal in 2022 and this year in Lisbon in 2023 I really started to notice the destinations mm are coming to these things and marketing themselves. There was Tenerife, Buenos Aires, there was uh, Lisbon itself. And I think there were a few more where they were giving full-on presentations that was, you know, essentially what you might think of as the tourism department, mm. but a representative that's not even promoting tourism. They're promoting digital nomad visas or remote work stays or however they want to call it. And I, I figure there'll be more and more of that. I know, like I know people that work with the, with Croatia on that. We had a uh, Tanya from, from Croatia on this on this podcast, who talked about that. So I think there's going to be um, a lot more of that at some of these conferences too, where we start to say, "Hey, there's like 20 different global cities that have brought mm -hmm. a representative to promote their their destination." Um, yeah, I guess you know, it's it's interesting because like they're kind of what I find is that they're often trying to shoehorn kind of like a tourism approach into attracting digital nomads, and so many of them are kind of like it, it's it's not perfect yet in terms of them just really getting yeah. what you know you know how you know what we need it's like the wi-fi is good where's the co-working space like i'm not i you know i don't care i do care about the restaurants but not as much as like that's <laughs> yeah. great but like like and it's just kind of it's still a round peg in a square hole but the they're, they're starting to get it i, I would yeah. say for the first time i thought that in in 2023 yeah i never but yeah it's i i didn't notice that until you mentioned it actually but it's quite yeah it's interesting perspective so um, what's uh, do, it, it, when you're growing Remote Rebellion, do you feel like um, it can grow, grow, grow? Is there some sort of equilibrium where you're kind of like the perfect, uh, you know, you have the perfect fishing boat. Like I don't need to hire six more boats because <laughs> my boat goes out. I, I, it's plentiful and I come home and I'm in my ikigai. It's, uh, I'm, I'm just curious whether you see it as something that has an, an ikigai equilibrium or, you know, it'll be an empire, you know, in, in three or four years with global offices and many, many, you know, uh, rebel, uh, people helping rebels. What's your, what's kind of your vision for the next five years for it? I hadn't thought about it in terms of what is, what is the cutoff and what is the size, but my goal in the next five years is for remote rebellion to be the, the, the global name, the household name, if you will, for people who want to get a remote job and for people hiring remotely. So I'm moving into the to the company sphere as well, so that companies looking to hire will have ac access to my community of not just remote workers, but shit hot remote workers. And I hope I can swear on this, by the way. But um, oh, yeah. okay, good. <laughs> so and that, I, I want that to be the the, the marketplace of 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 buy and sell essentially, just the way eBay was back in the day, <laughs> um, in its heyday, should I say? And and that's the way I see it. How that looks for my schedule and how much I'm working and how big the team is, I hadn't really thought about that yet. Um, maybe as we we get close to the end of our our hour here like really practical tactical tips i'm not sure if you even sort of how to what extent you curate the jobs and, and run your own job board but are there certain job boards or resources whether it's your own or third party that are really just kind of the best at seeking for remote jobs do you do you point people in a cert certain direction online you know i i haven't you know, sought out a job in a very long time. So I feel very out of it. I don't know. I remember going, there was Indeed, there, there was Monster. I, I was a CEO and I hired people and we would use those things and be like, which job board should we use? Where are we going to get good candidates, not bad ones and all that, all that kind of stuff when you're trying to hire. Uh, but I feel very out of it in terms of like where to look for jobs online because I've, I've been in kind of that world where you get your next gig off of DMing someone on Twitter mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm sort of in a non-traditional path. Um, 
what are the, what are the right resources for people now here in 2023 if they're kicking off a job search? Again, it really depends uh, if they want to work from anywhere. Do they want a remote from the US? What kind of industry? So there's certain job boards that are better for some industries. So remote OK is a really good one if you want a global remote and you're a techie, for example. Then you've got other ones such as Otter and Escape the City. They're really good if you want remote UK roles. So it, it really does depend. One really good one I, I'm always recommending is JobGever. And I feel like it's an aggregator of lots of different job boards. So you can put in the kind of job that you want to do. You put in the location that you want to work from and it will show you these jobs, even if you want a digital nomad jobs from anywhere. So that's one of my, that's one of my favorites. But the rest of it really just depends on the industry and the kind of level of remote you want as well. And obviously, obviously, RemoteRebellion.com is <laughs> a given. Yeah, obvi- obviously. Yeah. We'll edit that to come in, we'll come in first. Remote, yeah. RemoteRebellion.com and then, and then we'll cut in all the other ones. Yeah. Um, as we get closer to wrapping up here, maybe a, a really, a very specific type of question. Hopefully this is a softball. Best beach. It sounds like you surf. Yes. So best beach you've ever been to, best beach in the world for surfing. If you could only choose one. Which one is the best? I can't choose one because I know I keep going back with a question with another question, but are we talking like the most? I'll let you choose three. (laughs) I'll let you choose three. (laughs) I'm going to go the best, which is not necessarily the best waves. It's not the most beautiful, but it was my local beach in Batu Belong in Bali. And I used to really like that because I'd go out in the morning and I'd be like oh hey you hey you and I'd see people I know I'd come out I'd go and get my coffee from my favorite coffee shop so that was that was one um yeah two would be in Koh Salad or Had Salad sorry in Copenhagen in Thailand just absolutely love yep. that beach so I've just got again not the most beautiful but I think I've just got these wonderful memories of that of that lovely beach and then the third one yet to be discovered that's good leave it open it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a blank page yeah. now the worst beach no i'm kidding we won't do that <laughs> we'll um we'll we'll get close to wrapping up here and i think we've we've said it loud and clear we'll edit it in so that it's really loud and clear the best the best resource online for finding information about remote jobs obviously remoterebellion.com if people want to find more about you on the internet where should they go and we'll put it in the show notes too i'm pretty much remote rebellion everywhere on instagram on facebook on linkedin you search that i I will pop up and bother your feed (laughs) remote rebellion uh we'll we'll find some of those links we'll put them in here but if you just want to google it it sounds like you'll be on page one of the results and they can find you there michelle thanks so much for coming on remotely serious appreciate it it's been a pleasure (laughs) 